This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with John Sheehan. John is the Chief Executive Officer of Mind Springs Health and West Springs Hospital. He's going to tell us about what they're looking at today, where the focus is, some of the trends he's watching, and a lot more. John, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Mind Springs Health and West Springs Hospital? Sure. Um, my name is John Sheehan. Um, I am uh, present CEO for Mind Springs Health and West Springs Hospital. Uh, I've been in the business for uh, about 25 years. I started my career um, in, in acute care with uh, Baycare Health System, was there for about 11 years, and have had uh, a couple of CEO um, experiences in the uh, in the mental health space, and uh, most recently, uh, this position, which is really an interesting um, part of the country and a really great uh, organization that's been around for 50 years, um, primarily serving the Western Slope of Colorado um, and Grand Junction, uh, Colorado is our, our main hub. We've actually um, recently built a hospital there, a 64-bed state-of-the-art psychiatric facility, and I've, I've been involved in the construction of these facilities all my career. This is one of the nicest ones that I've ever been in. Uh, completed in 2018, really didn't operationalize until 2019. And then with COVID, really had a lot of issues um, in terms of just being able to recruit the staff needed to operate the place. And so a lot of uh, a lot of frustration that um, that there have really not been um, uh, significant psychiatric resources available to this community for some time, even though they had this gem of a facility. So really, my focus has been um, to come in and, and make that um, that facility fully operational and then start to look at the continuum of care. Uh, that we can deliver to um, children, adults, and their families as it relates to their uh, to their mental health care and to their overall uh, wellness and, and general well-being. So, and, and talk about some of the trends for watching behavioral health. And, and you sort of mentioned one already, just the shortage of staff. And, and I know staff at every level, but talk about what trends you're watching in behavioral health today, mental health today. What are some of the big issues you're following? You know, it's been an explosive and frightening time for mental health. But, but tell us yeah. some of the trends you're watching. You know, probably um, there's a there's a great uh, JAMA article that came out last year on estimating psychiatric bed shortages in the U.S. And it's interesting because it's really hard to talk about anything else unless you go to sort of the historic measure of, you know, of need. Right. And, and there's a there's an interesting statistic in that uh, in that article that talks about um, individuals seeking care for a severe psychological symptomology. And, and really, um, you know, that means that somebody's in crisis enough to have to go somewhere, right? And that indicator has jumped from 4% of the general population to 13% from 2018 to 2021. And to me, that's a more than tripling of the number of individuals in this country who are experiencing mental health crisis to the point where they need to go to a facility to, to receive uh, acute care. And so that's that's probably one of the bigger indicators that I'm looking at is there is a tsunami of need coming and and a tsunami of expense coming that really the Affordable Care Act, uh, when it strengthened parity, um, we've just tried to strengthen it again. But the you know, the idea that the cost for behavioral health is going to be all in um, to to healthcare going forward, that's really what was established in 2008. And that trend has continued and I think will only continue. And so we're not prepared as a healthcare system to treat what I think is the most important 
uh, organ in, in the body, the brain. And, and that, uh, you know, the idea that there's going to be technology coming that's going to revolutionize everything and, and make it so much easier, I'm not buying into that. Uh, this, these are complex disorders. They require complex treatments delivered at a high quality of care to get the result and the outcome that you want. And in particular, we have to start younger targeting children. And, and, and we, don't, we don't do that very well either. And, and so we really need to take a step back and look at the tsunami that was made, made much worse by COVID, particularly the impact that it had on children. And we have to be real about what that's going to mean for, um, for, for care in the future and our, and our capacity to deliver it, because I don't think we're ready. So. No, thank you. And talk about that, because there is like this whole school of thought that says we're going to fix all this through technology, telehealth and other things. And what I hear you saying is, yes, partly, but we need enough psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, people, because these are deep problems. They're not just an easy click a button talk to a chat bot and you're solved. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? So the shortage is, is very important to try and solve, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to create any um, animosity among the folks that need to figure this out, but you know, the idea that you're going to come out and say, well, we can, we're going to give you a coach, right. When you're, when you're suicidal, um, that that's not going to work. And, and so you do need trained professionals, whether you're delivering, the care via technology uh, that makes it easier to deliver that care or not. I, I think the idea that that the mapping of the brain is going to produce some kind of silver bullet, um, and right now they are mapping the brain similar to the way that we have, have looked at DNA and other things, and, and that will probably reduce the questions that we have about how certain medications work. I think it will result in uh, more effective treatments, but I don't believe that it will ever take away the idea that if a child experiences trauma, there needs to be certain kinds of interventions to make sure that that child does not end up having issues as an adult. Those are real things, right? They they require real identification at an early age, and then they require a lifetime of someone tracking that child across a continuum of care so that they end up growing into a healthy adult, uh, which for all of us is, is a benefit um, um, to our society. And right now, we're not paying attention to any of that. And, and so I think the you know, the silver bullet theory to me is, uh, are we going to have better tools? Do we already have better tools? Yes. Is telehealth making a huge impact? Yes. Is it the silver bullet? No, because all it does is allows us to think about, hey, we can actually figure out a way to deliver this care a lot more efficiently and a lot more effectively and study it, right? And and that that should be our reaction, not, um, you know, whether or not we should do it. There, there's, a, there's a crisis occurring, and, and I'm not sure people understand that. Thank you very, very much. And, and talk a little bit about your big priorities and focus this year. What's the big priorities and focus this year for you as CEO of MindSpring and West Springs? Well, you know, one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is that we've had a uh, sort of a safety net mental health system in this country since the 60s when John Kennedy uh, first created the community mental health centers. And those mental health centers haven't really evolved much over the years, right? And And so with the recent years developments and, I, and i'm talking uh, maybe right prior to COVID, and then and then to today um, you had this technology developing around behavioral health right and then during COVID, that technology sort of took over and the community mental health centers who didn't adopt that technology really really were perceived as behind the times and, and not serving their community very well 
And I think that that contributed in, in some ways to what MindSprings has been going through because we, we serve a lot of very rural counties um, and we have on-site services and we're beginning to deploy teleservices. Um, but these are hard to access, hard to wire, hard to um, reach places in a, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. About 50% of our business is in Grand Junction. The rest is in, in these Western Slope communities. And so I think the brand of MindSprings got hurt because we were really operating a 1970s, early 80s model, maybe, um, in a, an age where technology was sort of needed in order to reach people and, and to make them feel like, um, you know, that they had the same access to care, uh, regardless of whether this, this, this virus was ravaging the country. So that was, uh, I think, part of what happened with us. I think the other piece is that uh, we had a lot of compliance issues that, you know, that, that really, uh, you know, just, just emerged into this organization probably being the most audited agency I've, I, I know of in the United States. So that's been good. We know we have a clean bill of health in a lot of areas, and we know exactly what we're needing to work out for our compliance area. But as you know, compliance is not quality. And so we have this state-of-the-art facility, not just a state-of-the-art hospital, we have a state-of-the-art detox, state-of-the-art uh, men's and women's residential for substance abuse treatment and then a state-of-the-art uh, detox program. And then we have facilities um, in Aspen, in Snowmass, in um, in Frisco uh, that are also of high quality. And, and we're actually building a, a new detox in Glenwood Springs. And so we're, you know, we're really excited about all of these things as, uh, as components of a system of care. And so my job is really to take all of these great things that we have and now the ability to use tele. And I, I founded a telesite company in 2017 um, so I'm, I know I know how transformative it can be, and, and it was even more restrictive then on what you could do. Um, so so delivering care takes on a whole different um, there, there's a whole different set of opportunities that you see when you're able to deliver care digitally. And so I'm also looking at partnerships. So uh, how do we become more of an innovation uh, hub so that we can you know we we are uh, essentially uh, helping other people innovate by giving them access to our market and our view of the world, which is we kind of see everything. And so working with, you know, startup companies that maybe three years ago weren't ready to come into healthcare proper or be working in Medicaid, which is a large part of what we do, um, maybe adopting some partnerships and joint ventures with, with those digital mental health companies, right, to help us, you know, bring our services into the, into the future. Um, it's, it's hard to change a front door that's been, uh, that's been there for, for, you know, since 1963, um, and and some of these companies have figured that out. At the same time, you know, clinically, organizations like MindSprings are very deep uh, historically into the quality of care that they provide and how they how they provide it, and that's been refined over a number of years. And so, taking that that clinical quality and trying to um, to really pair it with technology, and then look at okay, what are the things that we do that don't work well together? So the mental health and substance abuse services that we provide are going to be integrated. They're not going to be, you know, it's not either or anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's surprising if someone doesn't have both going on in different clinical patterns. And so you have to be able to treat that. And then if someone goes from the psychiatric emergency room, determines they're not going to need to be in the psych hospital, how do we get them quickly to the detox? Because they do need to be in the detox. And then from there, uh, how do we get them a case manager? And how do we make sure that they get to that next level of care? And that that handoff occurs, and then how are we able to report that back up and down the, the system? The other thing I've I've done in my career that was pretty cool right before coming here was I was CEO of a health information exchange, 
And, and that really got me motivated to come back to operations because I see all the potential uh, now to just to, to use data to, to track how well a person does and to learn from that. And so that's, that's some of what we're going to be working hard on at MindSprings. And, and, and take one moment. What is something that the general population may not know about behavioral health, mental health, generally that they should know? Any thoughts that you have there that things that sort of we all, we all should know if we've been watching the news at all, that there's sort of an epidemic of behavioral health challenges. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a matter of where in the continuum we all fit in terms of behavioral health challenges. But what's something that people are not familiar with from a mental health, behavioral health standpoint? Any, any thoughts there? Well, you know, I think if people really read the statistics on suicide in this country, and and I, I don't want to quote, I don't have anything in front of me, but, uh, you know, I, I believe it's the leading, second leading cause of death for for um, for a, po- a couple populations of men in this country. And and that is that is frightening, right? Um, if that was happening in any other specialty, you know, we would we would be doing something about it. And and I and I think only families and it, and it cuts through socioeconomic lines. Only families that are experiencing this know about it when it's happening, right? But there is something that you know that that is either ignored or uh, there is still stigma that's there. Um, but you you see as a mental health professional more often than not families that come to you and say, if I just would have done something sooner or something earlier, you know, when that happened the first time, if I had just tried to get them somewhere, right? And and that's where you see the opportunity because because the answer to that is even if you did try and get them somewhere earlier, there may not have been help there for them, right? And and that's I think what we all have to try and figure out. Does that make sense? No, I mean, 100%. But what's really happened is suicide is, uh, I think the leading cause of death, one of the one of two leading causes of death, till people are up to about 25, 30 years old. So that age group. And then right. for men of a certain age as well. No, the, the stats are actually incredibly frightening and daunting when you, when you really understand how prevalent suicide is as a problem in our nation and just – you know, and that's just that's the very worst. That's when it's gotten its very worst. But it just gives you a feel for how bad mental health challenges are in our nation. I, I think it it 100 percent makes sense. And even if we recognize it, we just like on so many physician areas, healthcare areas, we are just so short. Even if we started yeah. to trying to solve the problem today, would be short for 10 years. I mean, that's that's even if we can get everybody aligned to really work on the problem of creating enough doctors, nurses, help in, in areas yeah. like this. We're still ten years out with an aging, growing and aging population of 330 million people. No, it's 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 a daunting challenge. It's it's actually sometimes you don't even want to think about how bad it is because it's mm-hmm. it's it's a hard problem to solve if we had us all on the same page that we need all these additional residency spots. We've got to encourage enough people right. to go into all these different specialties. If we could just get us on the same page with it to start with, it, it still is a multi-year problem to solve at best, and and that's if we're on the same page. But, um, you know, it, it's no really about, a fascinating thing. Yeah. No doubt about it. We have to we have to get together on a plan um, because it's it's only going to get worse. You can see it. No, that 
That's exactly right. Again, John Sheehan, what a pleasure to visit with you today. Great thanks to Reynard Weir for referring you and introducing you. Thank you so much. Another wonderful leader. Thank you for joining us in the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We'd love to visit with you further, you know, in a few months or so, but what a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful. Thanks for inviting me, Scott. It was great. Appreciate it.